are listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring. My name is Jeff White. Joining me today is Carmen Perry. How are you, Carmen? I am well. I am well. I'm uh, I, I'm really keen to uh, get underway with uh, today's guest because I, I think we're going to start um, uh, scraping away, if you will, some of the uh, distractions around the discussion about B2C versus B2B. And I feel like we have a bit of a fox in the hen house today. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody who's made a, a exceptional career in the uh, CPG space. Uh, so uh, without further ado, please introduce our, our guest. Sure. So joining us today, we have Sean Rossi from RB. RB is a consumer packaged goods company, as Carmen mentioned, that works in the health, hygiene, and home space. A number of brands you've most likely heard of, Clearacel, Durex, Gaviscon, Woolite, things like that. You know, huge, huge brands. Great big company. Um, we're really excited to have you today, Sean. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. A pleasure to be here with you guys. Thank you. Sean, why don't uh, why don't we get underway um, by you just introducing your role at um, at RB a little bit further and give some uh, context uh, to our listeners? Sure. I'm uh, currently leading the e-business unit for RB that essentially comprise uh, e-commerce and also digital marketing. So we have essentially a multifunctional team made of uh, digital marketers, uh, commercial people, uh, innovation, uh, packaging design, all uh, 360 degrees teams all around uh, driving RB into the digital ecosystem and into e-commerce. And I, I find it funny in my history, um, predominantly uh, as an agency side guy uh, over the last several decades, I, you know, I've, I've had occasion to work with, with marketers who really view themselves as a B2B marketer and other marketers who really view themselves as B2C marketers. And, and over that time, I would say that uh, there yeah, kind of developed a bit of a sense. I think some B2B marketers feel that uh, direct-to-consumer marketers have uh, uh, maybe a bit more... A sense of what's happening and uh, maybe they're just a little bit more current whereas some certainly have more visibility to the general public yeah, yeah. And, and i think maybe they're <laughs> sometimes get credited with some trend spotting uh, prowess as a result so sean we're going to put you on the spot today and see if uh we can get you to predict the future of marketing and where people ought to be putting their focus um as uh, as we turn our attention to 2019 and of course, rather than being uh, too myopic, I would hope that we could just expand beyond just the next year and say, you know, what are the big trends over this five-year uh, horizon that marketers ought to um, be keeping in mind of? So why don't, uh, I guess with that, why don't we start? Yeah, sure. I think that perception of uh, B2C uh, is far more advanced. It probably is born in the perception that, you know, uh, Big B2C companies have, are about scale, big budgets, multi-million innovation. Uh, there's definitely something about availability of data that allows you to, to learn more on the go. Uh, but I actually do think that nowadays with what technology, the internet, uh, 
and uh, digital data is uh, really enabling to do so. I think that that advantage is really, really going away. And actually, the scale is uh, more and more going to tip towards uh, smaller, much more agile companies, uh, if you will. Uh, but especially those companies, and whether those are B2B, B2C, I'm pretty agnostic uh, on that on that conversation myself. It's really who is going to be able to make the most use of the digital platforms available uh, uh, that are completely available to anyone, whether you are a multi-million business or just a small B2C or B2B. Um, so that actually brings me to what I think are the biggest trend is, you know, I'm probably uh, biased, but I definitely think that e-commerce is just a, a, a channel shift that is not going to stop. And, uh, and within that, the, the, the role that digital marketing will play into uh, either drive more leads if you're a B2B and, uh, and acquire more clients or if you're a B2C. So that is where I think, whether you're a big company or a small company, you really need to invest around that for sure. I mean, we're, I mean, what, I don't know how many, we're, we're easily a decade into two decades into people talking about digital as the next big thing. Um, uh, but um, I, I don't disagree. There's obviously that that shift seems to be accelerating in, in, in recent years. I guess, what is RB doing to differently uh, as, we, as we turn our attention to 2019? How has RB changed what they're doing and their approach to digital to meet this uh, changing landscape? Uh, I think we're finally uh, recognizing the role of data on how those can inform better decision, better targeting, uh, better communication, and a better effectiveness uh, in uh, either our campaigns, but actually the, the entire business model. So a big challenge that company like RB or any other large corporation would have is to make sense of all this data. Uh, data is there to be mined, but how do you use them in such a way that will enable you to be more efficient or more effective, that is the biggest challenge. So for us, it's really about how do we understand on how to reach more consumers, but especially the right consumers uh, and at the right time and at the right places, where can we find them? So that is uh, the biggest challenge and data will play a pivotal role into that endeavor. I appreciate that data. Um, you know, we're, uh, we're getting more and more of it every day. And uh, I think the sense-making uh, component of that is getting more and more challenging. Uh, how is how is RB kind of uh, sifting through uh, the sea of, of, of data to, to, to find uh, the real nuggets that can move the business forward or the real things to focus on? Sure. Yeah, obviously when you talk about data and then you look at what is available out there, it's very easy to to get overwhelmed pretty, pretty fast. So really is not about trying to collect all the data and then start crunching the numbers and see what uh, can come out of it. It's really about starting with a key business question, really understanding if there's one thing, one opportunity, one gap that I should address, what would that be? And then I really collect the data around that single business question. So what are your issues about how do I generate more leads or how do I convert uh, with a better percentage of my current leads or how do I drive down the, the cost of acquisition of uh, my clients or how do I retain them? 
really start in Nimble, Nimble uh, around one single question and build from there. I love this idea of, um, well, frankly, uh, if our listeners pull up Arby's website and look at the host of brands that... Uh, it's literally a laundry list of household names. Um, I think what a lot of marketers would really uh, view as, um, uh, you know, a much more sophisticated enterprise potentially than what they're uh, currently working within. Um, I don't know. I, I think there's a certain uh, aha in the fact that uh, rather than your answer to that being a complicated uh, method for data mining and analysis. It's actually more about acting small and more lean. Yeah, exactly the opposite. Uh, large corporations have this huge challenge of uh, navigating the, the organizational matrix, uh, getting decisions done fast. And nowadays, the market and consumers are moving way faster than uh, how decision making uh, is done in a in a traditional uh, corporation. So. It's really going back to how do we make maybe small decisions, but make them faster and uh, and learning and maybe failing fast, but learning from that and keep iterating for better results. And uh, I think it's better to have uh, something tangible, but really small, that then you can learn how to scale to try to get something out there perfectly the first time. Because uh, when we try to do that, we tend to come with something that might be already obsolete for the consumer or our clients. How have you had to change your decision-making processes or frameworks within RB um, in, in order to facilitate that? I guess how have, that, that strikes me that uh, I guess it really resonates with me when you say that the, um, the bigger you are, the bit more of a challenge it is to, to act fast and be nimble. And it seems to me, that that doesn't just happen with good intentions alone, that there needs to be some level of process or um, there needs to be some permission given in some way for an uh, organization that isn't used to being that nimble to begin to act that nimble. What does that look like on, from the inside? I mean, you, you definitely hit the, the, the key ingredients, which is uh, the process and the permission. There's also about culture, I think, uh, uh, RB has the right culture to make the shift because uh, RB is really big on uh, entrepreneurship and empowerment of uh, its management. So that is definitely fertile ground. But it's also about uh, cutting all those uh, needless ties around uh, different parts of the organization that in, in this context, in this challenge, really don't add value uh, at the beginning part of the process. So actually many other companies started to create a organization within the organization, like a, a business unit, more independent, so to speak, uh, empowered to make uh, decisions. So this is what kind of the direction that we're taking. Uh, not uh, uh, as dramatic, actually, as other companies, which uh, actually either go and acquire different companies altogether, or they, they establish uh, different companies are separated or they, they establish uh, incubation companies within the company. That is the, the example of uh, Kraft, uh, Walmart has done a PNG as uh, an incubation uh, company. Uh, we're, we have not uh, chosen to go that direction, more with an organization, with an organization which is more empowered, but that is really key. And uh, I think uh, it goes back to my early points. Why smaller is so beautiful nowadays is that you don't have to go through the hoops of 
coming up with this alternative business model because uh, a smaller company is already the business model. You just need to have the right culture and attitude, but then you're already fully empowered to to go after that that opportunity as you see it. I'm reminded a bit of uh, we had former uh, a guest earlier on the podcast, Monique Elliott from ABB, formerly of GE. And if you remember, Carmen, she was talking about um, creating you know, a marketing projects within GE that each had their own P&L that she was responsible for, these small elements within a very large entity, you know, and creating something that could be judged on its own merits and, and sort of still be part of the larger organization, but living and dying by its own profit loss. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I think she was speaking to that largely through the lens of a, basically that's how to secure ongoing yeah. uh, budget for innovation and on and on uh, mm-hmm. to, to really... Um, I guess build that accountability into those uh, experiments. Yeah. Um, and and it sounds as though what you know really Sean's saying the the structure at the front end of that uh, around how do you how do you build to create that permission? I would be curious. Um, what what what's the seat of the pants difference uh, when you're a marketer working in that environment now that you're uh, opening up that. Um, a di- new, more empowered division, shall we say, uh, versus what was um, the case before. Um, are, are you finding that the like as a budgeting cycle changed? What does that look like? Well, the speed the speed increases, uh, which uh, makes the the job all the more exciting. Uh, but also the responsibility increases. The the, the also the cycle of uh, from investment to return is uh, much shorter. Uh, so you're definitely there for ready to be fully accountable for the results. So there's no hiding in very long-term plans where uh, you already change role twice before something is it in the market. So uh, you, you live and breathe uh, your decisions every day, but that is really where we're learning the most. Uh, uh, we're learning the most from our everyday failures, uh, but the beauty is that we can course correct on the go and then see the results straight away. So... Probably is not for everyone, but um, as I said, there's the right culture at RB to allow for that, to have the patience for that. We're not expecting to uh, hit 100%, uh, but you know, uh, we're expected to improve our batting average every single day for sure. You're listening to The Cooler Ring, conversations on manufacturing marketing. Don't forget to subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's KULAPartners.com slash the cooler ring. It's interesting because I think with um, of course digital, it's this juxtaposition. Digital is more measurable than uh, many other forms of uh, of of marketing, uh, more easily measured at the very least. And I think in some way that's resulted in an expectation amongst senior leadership for more certainty over the results, like more predictability of ROI. Um, but similar, I guess at the same time, digi- digitally speaking, there's more and more experiments that need to be done. There's, it's not, um, you know, a lot of it's not been tried before. The, it's certainly not certain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In some ways, almost the data creates a false sense of certainty in some way. It, does that make any sense or well yes and also there is about how do you choose your kpi because again uh, 
data are infinite, but then if you choose the, the wrong ones, then you could create self-fulfilling prophecy or very uh, appeasing uh, appeasing results. So you also need to be choiceful on uh, what is the real success measure of a campaign. You cannot measure it all. And then also if you pick the wrong ones, uh, you just might uh, create something that makes you feel good but really doesn't shift the needle. So uh, we are putting much more the emphasis on uh, and the business results just on digital KPI. So it's just not about the cost per mention. It's not just about the conversion. It's a, how much, how many actual dollar sales have we eventually generated because of this campaign, or this initiative, which makes it very hard to, to measure. And that's also part of uh, the learning process, but is where we need to be. It's really about performance marketing. We need to drive business performance. It's not just about reaching uh, millions of consumers for the sake of it. It's just not about putting the message out there so everybody can see it. It's really about driving sales. So that is the key challenge. Has that changed the kind of person that you need to hire in your marketing? Uh, you know, as you build your team, as your team grows and evolves, um, are you finding you're looking for a different set of skills than you used to? Yeah, this is a great question. You know, since we embarked on this journey, actually, we we are faced with revisiting so many of uh, preconceived uh, expectations that we had in terms of uh, the old business model, but also the organizational design and, and the talent profile of people, and also who are the key decision makers. So uh, definitely having data scientists and data engineer in what uh, three years ago was considered just a sales team, uh, was definitely not something that we had expected 24 months back. And uh, some other companies are way out of the curve in, in that respect. And and also being digitally native is something uh, more and more important because there's some things that you cannot simply teach in a training class within the company. Uh, some things, either you get them or, or don't. And the trends are so fast that they're here today and gone tomorrow. So if you don't catch them at the right time, you, you missed an opportunity. So um, there's definitely a lot of thinking, thinking that is going into what is the right profile that we need to drive this business. The uh, Yeah, I've, I've thought a lot about that question of, um, of digitally native talent requirements and just the, uh, it, it seems like just, you know, there's just some ideas you're not going to have if you don't, uh, if you're not of the space, um, you can't, uh, you can't just, they're not ideas that you can have academically, you know? Yeah. I know. And not even conference, you know, when you, when you go to a digital conference and you hear things, well, they're kind of already old because if people are prepared to share them, <laughs> it's because they already use them, you know? Uh, um, so yes, you need to have the finger on the pulse and uh, ready to act on them. Yeah. It can sometimes feel like, um, mugs game to try to do all this it's funny that we're here we are talking about um uh, let's, look the, let's look into the crystal ball for 2019 and then you you just mentioned about the team makeup is something that you wouldn't have anticipated 24 months ago uh so i'm not sure how good our crystal ball abilities are across the board honestly but uh, well, I, it's certainly a fun exercise yeah <laughs> I, I think a big part of that of, of course is that you have you know there's no way really to predict what tools you may be using in the next <laughs> X number of months. There's no way to know what you're going to, what platforms you're going to be using. Um, that must be an exceptionally difficult 
task for for RB to be able to choose MarTech platforms and other things like that across the entire organization um, so that it fits the needs of all of your different brands and, and business groups. Uh, talk to us a bit about that. We're already finding actually that our yearly planning cycles is already way too long. Um, because things are moving way too fast. But, you know, there's some macro things that um, you can definitely predict. Uh, it's not even about prediction. You just uh, need to wait for them to, to fully blossom. Some is uh, voice search, the role of voice, uh, your Alexa, your Google Assistant. Uh, those will simply keep increasing penetration within a household. And there's going to be a tipping point where it's going to become... Uh, uh, a usual habit for people to to use those devices, not only for early adopters. So just that will simply open the floodgates of a new way to actually develop content for those sort of platforms altogether. Um, mobile as a penetration and percentage of sales is already uh, uh, accelerated a, a, few, a few years ago and it's just here to stay. So that has already been uh, impacting the way... Uh, Digital marketing company has been doing uh, content for the past couple of years. That's simply going to remain important. Then think about uh, uh, smart TV and how people will start consuming content. And uh, and it's much more about trying to think what is going to be the path to purchase of the consumers. So 10 years ago, we would simply, well, if I go 20 years ago, we would think about simple two scenarios. People do a list at home. They will go in store, buy the list, and then they will have some impulse purchases at the very end. So the key question is, how do we get on that list and how do we drive that impulse? Now that path to purchase is so convoluted, so unmanageable in the sense that every touch point is a, is a purchase occasion. So those purchase occasions will simply keep coming up and some will be more successful than others so it's really about how do you stay on top of them and pivot faster because those are not going to be in our control we will not decide how consumer will consume content and decide to buy things uh, we simply need to be very close to those trends and be very fast to pivot as a consumer habits uh, change so that is the key so again maintaining it's not really about predicting in five years' time. It's about how do we keep ourselves very agile so we can shift with the market shifting. So you started this uh, that response by saying that, that you know you can identify those macro you know just kind of trends that will keep going. And I think you use mobile as an example of that and others um, that you just simply need to continue to invest in and, and, and work with and figure out more and then you also said though that um that the kind of the year-long plan is kind of uh is a bit too long and so i mean it's cliche that everybody will say oh we leave 20 percent of our budget for experiments and 80 percent for uh the stuff we know and uh, that 80 20 rule just seems highly convenient in a world that's getting more and more uncertain in some ways and seems like it requires more experiments. So what do you, I guess, uh, what, what else have been the practical uh, implications of that, uh, of, of that cycle, uh, that year long planning cycle being a bit too long? How have you, how have you adjusted there? Well, first of all, it's about driving clarity on what are going to be the yearly objective. Uh, if I may take an example of the 80, 20 rule, uh, that works if there's an implicit uh, agreement between uh, you driving the business and uh, your management uh, agreeing that 
80% is going to be for driving the day-to-day operation. And we only expect uh, innovation worth 20% of that, uh, 20% of the whole pot. So if that is the right expectation and that works for you, great. Uh, if you have more room for innovation, then uh, then you should lean forward uh, much more. Um, we don't have a set rule. We, we don't start from the budget and then decide what we can do with that budget. We first decide... Uh, where do we want to go? Uh, what do we want to invest in? What is the end result, really? And then we figure out how much it will take. And then there's going to be sometimes is too much. <laughs> sometimes it's too little and we can tip in a little bit more. But we start with the end in mind. Uh, we don't start just with the, the, the budget issue. It's more about be very clear on your business question. Uh, start with what success could look like a year from now, two years from now, if you will. And, uh, and build from there. I, uh, you know, I think that's a that's actually pretty uh, solid parting advice. Mm. The uh, start with the end in mind. It's surprising how many people uh, I think forget to do that. Um, <laughs> we need a CRM. Well, they get to, they get a wash in vanity metrics, whether it's social media or web traffic or conversions or whatever the latest market what, product is. Yeah, exactly, and, uh, and and they just don't step back from it and. and Think of the business goals. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It seems, um, uh, and, and frankly, it's, it's uh, always it seems the case that the most experienced marketers are uh, almost always uh, the ones to stress fundamentals. And uh, this uh, <laughs> this conversation has been no different, Sean. I think it's been a, a really healthy reminder to folks, and I thank you for it. Oh, thank you been a pleasure and uh we'll maybe check back in uh, as 2019 gets uh, underway uh, and see how that crystal ball is looking but we really appreciate your time on the show today that would be great thank you very much guys you know thank Bye-bye. you thanks for listening to the cooler ring with carmen perry and jeff white don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring that's k-u-l-a partners.com slash the cooler ring